Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6. Still working our way towards the end of this book. And what, what a conclusion it has. We're still not reading the last, the last two verses. But what a glorious passage we have. Same as we looked at last time, 1 Timothy 6, 9 through 19. And last time we saw the requirement that we flee from certain things on the one hand and that 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 fleeing must always be accompanied by a pursuing of something else. We are to flee from the love of money and longing for money. We are to flee from the errors that Paul has pointed out earlier in the book. And we are to pursue with all of our hearts righteousness and godliness, faith and love, perseverance and gentleness. Now, that pursuing is to be done in a particular way, and that's what we're going to be looking at today. That pursuing is done by fighting. And fighting has a pretty bad rap these days. And of course, even when I've talked about fighting in sermons, most of the time it's been negative, right? Because I'm warning you kids that you're not supposed to fight with each other. And we are not supposed to fight with each other, are we? Are you supposed to fight with your brother? Are you supposed to fight with your sister? Nope, fighting is bad, right? But here's the thing. Not all fighting is bad. There is a certain kind of fighting that we are called to do. Not fighting with our brothers and our sisters, but fighting for the faith. This is a very important fight, and it's a hard fight. It's a very particular fight. So please stand for the reading of God's Word from 1 Timothy 6, 9 through 19. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil, and some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But flee from these things, you man of God, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus who testified the good confession before Pontius Pilate that you keep the commandment without stain or reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ which he will bring about at the proper time. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone possesses immortality, 
and dwells in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Christian faith is a fight for something. It's a fight for something. Now, you know what fighting for something looks like. And I've talked about how we're not supposed to fight with our brothers and sisters, but that's the place where you know first, probably, what fighting for something is. You both want the same thing, and so... You fight each other for it, right? Well, we're not supposed to fight each other for this. The Christian faith, though, is a fight for something. We are not fighting for no reason. We're not commanded here to fight for the sake of fighting. We are not here commanded to fight simply because it's fun. We're not commanded to fight for the things of this world, but we are commanded to fight for something. It is towards an end, a goal. By fighting, we are seeking to get something. Now, we'll get to what that thing is in a little bit, but first... We have to realize that this is the opposite of the Christian mantra that we have heard so often, that we are to let go and let God. In fact, immediately after we are given this command to fight the good fight of faith, we are told not to let go and let God, but rather to take hold of the eternal life to which we were called. Do not let go and let God, but take hold. Now, is there an element of truth in that idea of letting go and letting God? Absolutely, and and we can talk a little bit more about that at another time. What I want you to realize right now is that our general takeaway from that let go and let God is a giving up on fighting. And that we are not allowed to do. That fighting leads directly into that call to take hold, to not let go, to fight for it. And of course, now the what is clear, right? Eternal life. That is what we are fighting for. That is what we are to take hold of. The fight of faith. 
is the fight of taking hold, of grasping and not letting go of eternal life. Jesus describes it this way. He says, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and violent men take it by force. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and violent men take it by force. Now, we have to understand what the kingdom of heaven is to make sense of that verse, right? The kingdom of heaven is not of this world, is what Jesus says before Pilate, right? kingdom of heaven is what he is establishing, though, through his fight, through his testimony, his good testimony that he made before Pontius Pilate. And so the description that Jesus gives of the kingdom of heaven suffering violence and violent men taking it by force is the same thing that we are commanded to do here, to fight the good fight of faith. It is a good fight, not a bad fight. There are bad fights. There are fights that are for the wrong thing. There are fights that are pointless, that flow simply out of our desire to make somebody else feel pain, that flow out of our desire to uh, take out our aggression on somebody, to take out our frustration on somebody. There are all kinds of bad fights. There are fights over earthly possessions. There are fights that we can give ourselves to endless fights, spiritual fights. We, we're, we're warned against the constant friction, the evil suspicions, the controversial questions earlier in this chapter that lead to spiritual fights that are wicked, right? And yet, we are called to fight a good fight. And that fight is towards the end of eternal life. It's towards the end of taking hold of the kingdom of heaven and not letting go. Taking hold of eternal life. Now I want you to think about another example. Jesus speaks of John the Baptist being one of those men that fights this good fight, this spiritual warfare that we are called to. <clears throat> Excuse me. But we are not given only John the Baptist as an example. We are also given the example of the Israelite people in the book of Exodus. And in that book, we read about them coming out of Egypt and going into the Promised Land. Thank you. And as they seek to go into the Promised Land, what do they have to do to take hold of that promise? <clears throat> that kingdom, that land that they had been promised by God, 
and that he was giving them was a land that they had to fight for, wasn't it? If they did not fight, they would not enter. And in fact, at the very beginning, right when they first began to arrive at the promised land, that's what happened. They were given the work of fighting. And they said, no, no way. It's too big, too hard, too many people, they're too strong. We're not going to fight. And Jesus, God said to them, fine, then you will not enter. You will not enter if you do not fight. And we are instructed by that not to think of our conflict as a worldly conflict, right? Because the weapons of our warfare are not of this realm. We are not taking up physical swords and and so forth. We are taking up our spiritual weapons and our spiritual armor in this fight. But we are very clearly instructed, we are told that the promised land was only just a, a, a picture of the promised land that we are all, including those Israelites, promised. That Abraham was looking forward to a kingdom, to a city, that he would take by faith. That he would receive it by faith. And he never saw the completion of that promise in his lifetime. And even the Israelites, when they enter into the promised land, did not see the completion of that promise, but just through a mirror darkly, a picture of it. An image. A reflection of that fighting for the kingdom, to receive it, to take it. Just a reflection of the goodness of that land that we have. By faith. Because we don't have it yet, do we? We don't have it yet. And so the Israelites, they leave Egypt. They wander through the wilderness. They're given the law. And then he says, now fight. And they say, no. And so they do not enter. And if we do not fight, we will not enter. But that's not all that we learn from the Israelites. The other thing that we learn, and I've made a point of this before, if we fight, but not by faith, we will not enter. You remember what happens when he says, fine, you won't enter. They say, okay, okay, we'll fight. Right? And he says, no, I didn't tell you to fight. I told you to wander. That's done in past. Now it's time to wander. And they say, no, no, we'll fight. And they do not enter. They are defeated. Because they are not fighting by faith, but they are fighting 
on their own. They are not fighting, relying on God, but they are taking for themselves, attempting to, and in their own power. And so they do not receive the land. They do not enter. So this fight is a fight that we are to fight for something. It is for that eternal life. It is for that promised land. It is for that glorious city. It is a fight to take hold of, to not let go until we have what we have been promised we will receive. And that is the next point that I want to make. This is not a fight with an unclear end. This is not a fight where it's doubtful what will happen at the end of it. It is entirely clear that if we do not fight, we will not receive the reward. It is entirely clear that if we fight and seek for that kingdom, but not by faith, we will not receive it. Now, what do I mean by fighting for it, but not by faith? Let's just back up for one second. I want you to use this as uh, a shield against, in this conflict of faith, I want you to use this as a shield against the false doctrines that claim that those who seek after God with a, with a good conscience, you know, who mean well, who try to do their best, that God will, you know, be a gentleman and let them into heaven, that they'll receive the reward. Now, this is a common belief, and it's very tempting, even among Christians, for us to fall into believing that there's a way in other than, as he has laid out in his word and has said, is the only way through Jesus Christ. Right? The temptation is to say, that there's a way into heaven for those who don't know any better. Those who seek to do good as far as they uh, have been made aware of it, and there's a lot of good that we have been made aware of. God made it and made good. You know, He wrote it into our hearts. And so... We know right and wrong, and so we're able to do right and wrong. And many, many people in this world seek to do good and and not bad, seek to live holy lives. And this is this is what the religion of Islam and the religion of of Mormon are based on. the the whole The whole religion is fight the good fight, but not of faith. Fight the good fight and grasp it by your own strength, not through faith. And maybe, just maybe, you might get it. But here we have a guarantee. In the gospel, we have the promise that he who began 
the good work in us will bring it to completion. Now, is that a beautiful promise or what? As you face the fight of faith and you see your own sin and you see the difficulty of the work set before you, whether that work is your your job or whether that work is the work of being a mother or a father or whether that work is school or whatever that work is, and, and, and it includes all of the good works that you're called to, right? You see that and you think, this is impossible. And I want you to know he will bring the good work that he has begun in you to completion. And he will be your strength in that fight. And he will go before you. And you may not say, it's too much. I can't do it. The enemies are too strong. I refuse to fight. Sure, I must fight if I would win. You remember that from the hymn? A hymn calling us to increase our faith for this fight. To fight it by faith. This fight has a guaranteed outcome. I saw an article sometime in the last few weeks that said that people really can die from giving up the fight to live. And we've been familiar with this, of course, for millennia, I'm sure, as, as humans. We see it in animals, we see it in people, that there comes a time when there are those who just say, you know, I'm done with this fight. I'm done fighting this disease, I'm done fighting this wound. And they give up and they die. those who give up this fight, will let the boat of their life drift around until they make shipwreck of their faith. You see, that's the guaranteed outcome for those who will not fight. But if you fight, knowing that you have been called by the one God. He who dwells in unapproachable light. He who will send Jesus back at exactly the right time. I want you to think about those things. You know, these are just these descriptions in our text of who God is, Right? God is the one who will send his son back. He's the one who sent his son, and he's the one who's going to send his son back at exactly the right time. You see that. This great doxology that we have here. In the presence of God, who gives life to all things. He gives life to all things. Can you trust him? To win the battle. 
to, to win the fight that's before you. And it looks big. I will grant you it looks big. <laughs> In fact, I'll grant you more than that. I'll grant you that it is big. When they said there were giants in the land, they weren't kidding. They were big. I'll even go so far as to say, it's not just big. It's not just hard. It's impossible for you. And that's part of why there is no hope outside of Jesus Christ. There isn't, there can't be, because the battle is impossible. Fighting against the wicked desires that we have deep in our hearts, you can't do that on your own. Your heart has to be changed. We need someone who is powerful on our sides, much more powerful than we are if we're going to win this fight. And who is on our side? The Lord. Christ Jesus, the one who testified the good confession before Pontius Pilate. And what is his point in that? He won through death. And we're to join him in that fight, all the way to the completion of our life. Because it's only in the completion of our life that we receive the promise that we have been fighting for. Eternal life, heaven, that glorious kingdom, that golden city, where the gates are pearls, where there's stones of amethyst, beryl, and topaz. It's a prize, you see? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's very hard for me sometimes to make sense of those descriptions. You, you, you understand heaven, streets of gold, glass, the various precious stones and these gates and their pearls. And what I want you to see right now is I I got a picture yesterday of um, Jonathan and Nathan, my nephews, holding up a, a trophy, soccer tournament, their team won, and uh you know, it was a nail-biting affair with penalty kicks to win it. And the penalty kicks kept going. It's eight, eight, nine, nine, ten, ten. You know, it's just like, when will this end? And in the end, they won. And they received the trophy. And what is it? It's, it's gold and it's bright, shining blue and, and, and they're holding it, and it's big. 
it makes them look small. It, makes, it, it made me think that it was a picture from a couple years ago when they were smaller, you know, because it, it's this outsized trophy. Big trophy. Gold. Precious metals. Jewels. But, I mean, that trophy is... It's plastic. It's not a trophy, you know? I mean, yeah, it's a trophy, but look, what are you fighting for? If the, if the best thing that you can think of in this world to fight for is to win in soccer, and some of you, that may be the best thing that you can think of, is to win in soccer. What are you fighting for? A plastic trophy in the end? And you say, well, if I get really good, it'll actually be gold. And I say, well, it'll be of this world. It will not be the treasure. It will not be the reward that is spoken of here that we are to be fighting for. It's not the one guaranteed by God. The sovereign, the King of kings, and Lord of lords, when He tells you that He will be with you to the end of your fight, and that His strong right arm is for you, Do you have any doubt that even though they're giants, even though it's impossible, you will win? No, there's no doubt at all. He's the one who gives you life. He's the one who sent his son. He's the one who will send his son back at the proper time. He alone possesses immortality. He alone dwells in unapproachable light whom no man has seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. Now, who is fighting? The king is fighting. The one who has eternal dominion. You see how that switch, when he begins to describe God, all of a sudden it's like, yeah, we're called to fight, but who is the one who is winning here? And is there any doubt that he will win after you read that description? There is no doubt. He will win. This is why, if you fight, you will win. That's the only reason why the, 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 the outcome is guaranteed. There's no guarantee for any other fight. We've started reading The Boys in the Boat. It's about this rowing team way back in the 30s that won the Olympics in 1936, humiliated the Nazis or something like that. It's got something to do with, I think it was in in Germany. Anyway, they fought. They fought from the very first time they rode to win. Fought, fought, fought. Fought and fought. And when you read about the insanity of 
the workouts and the fighting that they did and what they went through. And you realize that all across the country and all across the world, there were other boys going through the same training, the same fighting for the same thing. And that in the end, there was no guarantee who would win. You can't guarantee gold by fighting hard, by training hard. Now, there is an element of truth in the fact that God has made the world such that if you give yourself to the work, it will pay off, right? But there was no guarantee for the boys in the boat that they would get gold. And yet, day after day after day of punishing workouts. Punishing workouts in, in the freezing cold. Unable to feel, and then unfortunately able to feel their hands, right? And, and day after day after day for years, they, they fought for this. And they won it. But you know what? A whole bunch of other boys did the same thing and there was, they didn't win it. There was no guarantee and, and there is no guarantee of any of the things that we fight for in this world. That's why you get to the end and all of a sudden he returns to this issue of money that we've hit on so many times in Timothy. He comes to the end and all of a sudden he goes, what? Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Why? Why would he say that? Why does he return to beating up on rich people? Why does he return to talking about money again? Aren't we talking about fighting the good fight? Aren't we talking about the glorious God fighting on our behalf? Well, yeah, and that's why he says, Hey, idiots who think that money is going to be the thing that you can rely on. There's no guarantee with money, is there? It's uncertainty. Don't place your hope on the uncertainty of riches. You can fight and fight and fight and fight for money, and you know what? If you work hard, you will get paid. You will grow in income. You, you, you fight for it, you, you will receive the reward. God's made the world this way. It's a wonderful thing. And yet, in the end, your riches are uncertain. The gold of this world is moth and rust destroy it, right? But what we are to fight for is a reward that is eternal, that moth and rust cannot destroy, that nobody can steal. Even the government can't send tax collectors for it or devalue it by printing money. Even even the robber barons of big bad capitalism can't destroy it by over-leveraging their bank accounts and blowing up the economy. 
But you know, you know what else was going on in the 30s when we were reading? The Depression was going on in this book that we're reading. And everybody who thought that they could rely on their money suddenly discovered that the things of this world were fading away. And not just the Depression, but the Dust Bowl. And so even everybody who were, were preppers back in the 20s and had gotten themselves plenty of land so that they could have enough food to, to survive through the disaster that was coming. I don't know whether there were any of those people. You understand. I don't know when preppers became a thing. I'm sure there have always been preppers around. But you know what happened? There was no water. There was no rain. And then there was no dirt. It blew away. And so, even the things that we think we can rely on, like the dirt being there, if we have our hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. And so we're not fighting for the things of this world. We're not fighting for the rewards of the here and now. We are fighting for eternal life. In Philippians 2, verse 14, Paul speaks of pressing on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Again, it's a fight. Pressing on to attain that prize. And just a few verses earlier, he talks about that fight and he describes how We are to be found in him, in Jesus. Not having a righteousness of our own derived from the law, but that righteousness which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness which which comes from God on the basis of faith. That's all a quote. from Philippians 2. And so when we when we look at what we are fighting for and we see that if we fight by faith the outcome is guaranteed then immediately the question becomes okay what does it look like to actually fight? Right? And I'm just going to I'm I'm going to say it simply and then we can worry about the confusion that comes from it, right? But the fight is Obedience. It's good works. What other kind of fighting can there be? The fight of faith is to do good. It is to testify appropriately, truthfully, gloriously, of what God has done. And how do we testify? Well, we testify, yes, through our words, but how did Christ testify? Standing before Pontius Pilate, he said, my kingdom is not of this world. And then what did he say? It is finished. You understand? The testimony of Jesus Christ was to go to his death to attain 
that prize that his father had guaranteed to him. And our call is to join him in that. That's a glorious fight. You think about Jesus, the Son of God, being promised a kingdom. And that then he went and he he fought the fight. And he fought it to completion and he received it. He went up into heaven and in his word, it says that he went to prepare a place for us. That prize, he has it. And he's making it ready for us to receive it. Do you want that prize? I want that prize. Whatever Jesus has, whatever the disciples were watching him ascend up into the heavens. Wherever he was going, whatever he had received from his Father, do you believe? Then by faith, take hold of it. Fight that fight. That is the good confession. The good confession is not having stood up once and declared that you are a follower of Jesus. The good confession is not saying, I am a Christian. The good confession is being a Christian, having said, Christ has saved me. Right? The good confession is the good works prepared beforehand by him for those who believe. And so if you believe, if you have faith, then you by faith, do the works that he has given you to do. And boy, ever does it take faith, doesn't it? Fighting is doing good works. It's living a life of obedience. Fighting isn't being baptized. Being baptized is easy. It's glorious. It's wonderful. It's powerful even. But it's not fighting, is it? It's just dying with him. It is symbolically us saying all the way to the cross with him, all the way to death, all the way down into the grave, I'm with him. I will fight with him. And then you have to do it. And that's why Paul immediately follows this fight the good fight with what? Keep the commandment without stain or reproach. Not that good works will save you. I think I've made it clear God is the one who is winning, right? You're not going to get there on your own. Remember the Israelites decided, okay, we'll fight the fight on our own. They did not enter in. If you decide that you're going to fight this fight on your own, you will not enter. Your good works cannot save you. They will not save you. And they won't be good. 
but faith without works is somebody who is not fighting. Faith without works is dead. There is no faith if you're not fighting. It's that simple, right? You see, the person who stops fighting dies. Because their faith is dead. And so we come to the end of this book, and you think of Paul, and he's writing to Timothy. And Timothy, he loves Timothy. This pastor, this man who's been given hard, hard work, this man who has conflicts, and Paul goes, I know what it's like. Conflicts without, fears within, enemies within the church and without, Paul has been walking down this road and he looks at Timothy and he says, fight it. Fight that fight. Take hold of the prize. The prize is not being able to say, I did more than Paul. The prize is not being able to say, you think you have it bad, you should see me. The prize is not being able to say, He who dies with the most wins, right? The prize is not of this world. The kingdom is not of this world. The prize is the kingdom. Take hold of it and don't let go. Like Jacob. He's wrestling with God and and he won't let go. Not until I get the blessing. Give me the blessing. Give me the reward. I want the reward. Now, how many of you have ever wanted anything in this life and fought for it? Any woman that's given birth has fought for a prize. Any man who has trained physically for a race, hard, not half-heartedly, hard, has fought. And you know the pain that comes from it, with it, right? Is there any fighting that we do that's not painful? It's always painful. But, you know the old saying, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, right? We have a better saying as Christians. It won't kill you, and it will make you stronger. That's the fight before us. That's the fight of faith. That's what Paul calls Timothy to. That's what we are called to. 
to realize that money is not going to meet our needs. No matter how much money you have, and no matter how much it masks your realization that you have needs that are deeper than money can possibly supply, there is a hope of something better than this life. You think of Solomon, even if you are as rich as Solomon, this world cannot supply the prize. And isn't that what the book of Ecclesiastes is all about? He had it all. And what did he say? He said, I've, I've searched through it all. I took all of the money in the world and I searched through it. And it wasn't the prize. I took all of the women in the world and I looked at all of them and not, not one of them was the prize. And I looked at all of the men and they were all pathetic. They weren't the prize. It's a pretty rough summary of Ecclesiastes. But the book is rough, isn't it? I mean, have, have you read it? And, and at one point near the end he goes, you know, yeah, and money's the answer to everything. One of the best sarcastic Verses in the whole Bible, you know, yep, money's the answer to everything. And in, if you're thinking of only this world, then yeah, I mean, <clears throat> if you just have enough money, you can avoid all of the pain, can't you? Until you can't. Because this life comes to an end, and everybody dies, and that is over and over and over again what he says in Ecclesiastes. And at the end of it, you die. And then you die. And then you, you, and then you die. You collect money and then you die. And then, you, you know, you, you leave it to your kids and then you die. And then you know what they do? They, they waste it. For all that work and all that fighting that you did, all that pain that you went through to amass it, and then you die. And so, Paul gives us a fight that doesn't end that way. God gives us a reward that doesn't dissipate, doesn't disappear, doesn't fade away, isn't able to be summarized with money is the answer to everything. He says, don't be conceited. Don't fix your hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. The one who gives us the reward. Fight the good fight of faith. Receive the reward. That's it. If you seek, you will find. If you knock, the door will be opened to you. If you fight, you will win. Now, is that glorious or what? Let's pray.